you're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host, Gemma, and today we are continuing with our Business Matters series, talking all about business right across the north of England. Today, I have two guests, both from the beautiful county of Cumbria, and they're here today to tell us all about business, transport, and so much more for their part of the world. First up, we have Dr. Steve Pearl. Steve leads on transport and infrastructure for the Cumbria Local Enterprise Partnership, and he sits on the TFM board as the Cumbria LEP representative. Hello to you, Steve. Hi there, Gemma, hi. So, um, start us off for us, please, Steve. Give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself um, and to your work with the uh, with the Cumbria Local Enterprise Partnership. Yeah, surely can, yeah. So, my name is Steve Curl and I live in the Lake District near Kendal. Um, I've been a private sector board member of the Cumbria LEP for about three and a half years. And for the last two years, I've been looking after their transport and infrastructure work. And that's why I sit on the TFN board uh, alongside my colleague, Keith Little from the council. Um, I'm also a member of the Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund board, which is fun because we have a lot of funding to invest in SMEs in the north. Um, By way of career, I've worked in pretty much all sectors of the energy industries. Um, until I became CEO of an engineering software company some time back. Uh, I then joined the team of a private equity-backed management buyout in Aberdeen, and that got me really interested in private equity, not least because of its potential to grow businesses. So since 2006, I've been ploughing my own furrow, um, investing in technology companies, eight of them in all, alongside private equity houses as chairman of their boards. Um, Now, in the north of England, these include a manufacturer of subsea um, remotely operated vehicles in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, two advanced manufacturing software companies in Sheffield, and there's a printing company in Lancashire as well. So anyhow, I've now only had a couple of business interests left and that leaves me with much more time to support the LEP and other worthwhile activities in Cumbria and the North and uh, what fun it is. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it and I'm uh, delighted that you're bringing so much expertise and insight from um, across um, engineering and energy and manufacturing and uh, some of those companies that you mentioned there sound really uh, cutting edge. That's fantastic to know that there's such a wealth of activity uh, to invest in across, across the North. Talk to us a little about um, the work of the Cumbria LEP. What does does a LEP do and what would you say are some of the successes or or the the highlights uh, for Cumbria LEP? Right, now that's a heck of a big question, but I'll try and give you a good answer and a good overview. So uh, bear with me, it'll take a moment or two. It might be useful, Gemma, if I start by saying a few words about Cumbria overall. Um, The county of Cumbria is half 50% of the land area of the northwest of England. Not many people know that. If you think of Cumbria as a circle, it's not quite a circle, but if you think of it as a circle, it's got England's highest mountain mass in its centre, and then a relatively narrow strip around the coast on the north, west and south side, with the Pennines on the east. So we are a very rural area, 
And the geography gives us huge challenges, not just for transport and infrastructure, but many other facets of our economy. Um, I'll leave discussion of transport and infrastructure to my colleague Keith, if I may, um, at the County Council. He's speaking later, I think. Um, I'll simply say that the LEP and the County Council work very closely, arm in arm, as it were, on the full range of transport issues, and that works really well for us. Um, Cumbria is also the least densely populated country in England. It's got a population of under 500,000 people, which is very modest. That's only 3% of the Northern Powerhouse's population. But nonetheless, our economy, that runs at about 12 billion per annum, a GVA, and we have some really big employees, employers, I should say. We probably have some big employees as well. Um, but the big employees, are people like British Aerospace working in defence uh, and Sellafield in the nuclear industry, of course. And we've got a very substantial advanced manufacturing industry. It's actually much bigger in Cumbria as a sector than in other parts of the north. Um, our rural economy is enormous. Um, we've got the biggest flock of sheep in England and we've got the second biggest herd of cows in England for dairy production. So we play a pretty crucial part in our food supply chain in the UK. And of course, we've got this enormous visitor economy, uh, possibly one of the biggest in the UK, second only to London, perhaps. And we've got a really vibrant cultural sector. Now, all of that is supported by thousands of SMEs. Um, and it's fair to say that Cumbria has a really good network between all of these businesses to help us all together work to improve the economy. And, and that's what the LEPs are focused on. Um, so the Cumbria LEP, we're focused on supporting all of our businesses to recover from the pandemic. That's the immediate priority. And, and then to move forward with their growth ambitions. Um, we, we, we run this as a series of panels uh, of local businesses, um, often a dozen or more of them from each sector. And, and we work in groups looking at the economy and how we can improve it in areas like innovation, supporting SMEs, encouraging communities to participate, skills development and so on. So of course, the bottom line is all of that needs money. And we played a pretty pivotal role as the Cumbria Let uh, in leveraging local public and private money funding um, with national investment. Not least we've awarded 60 million in support for Cumbria's economy through the growth funding. Um, and, and that's leveraged another 100 million from private sector funds. Um, so overall, we've delivered thousands of homes, jobs, learning opportunities, and um, a substantial new stock of business premises. So finally, I should simply say that over the past two years, our life has been totally absorbed in supporting Cumbria in the pandemic. And we run that through a group of 50 organisations, including the representative ones like the CBI and the NFU and so on. And that's been a really effective way of sharing information. And it gives us the ability to focus all that understanding of the situation and influence government in quite a powerful way. Cumbria needs to include, to attract more people to live and work here. And it's a great environment, a very innovative place. It's a brilliant place to bring up kids. There's a fantastic community spirit and facilitated by people learning how to work online and being able to work from home. Cumbria probably represents the best, if not, well, I think the best place to relocate to. 
And that doesn't matter whether you're an individual that wants to work remotely or a business that wants to work in a good part of the world, you know, with a very attractive business and physical environment. So that's probably enough, I think. It's quite a canter through Cumbria. Well, it, it's quite clear that there's so much going on in Cumbria. I love the facts um, about the, the sheep and the cows. Those are ones that I didn't know before. So that's great um, ammunition for future pub quizzes as well. So thank you for sharing those. Um, so things that you referenced there, manufacturing, aerospace, energy, tourism, the rural economy, so much going on for the county. How would you like to see Cumbria's economy develop into the future? You've touched on kind of COVID recovery and, and future growth. What types of new businesses do you foresee coming to the area? Yeah, well, we've got a sort of mantra here about what we're aiming to be. Um, we want to be cleaner, greener, more inclusive, faster growing, more productive and more diversified. And we also want to encourage an influx of new businesses and people living and working in Cumbria. I'll, I'll perhaps come back to that. Um, really, our future is built on growing our existing sectors, but changing the way they operate and enhancing them in every way possible. Um, so how on earth are we going to do it? As I said earlier, manufacturing is strong. The construction sector is strong. Manufacturing is about 20% of our economy. Um, construction companies are targeting large infrastructure projects as well as local projects and we've got a particular interest in that sector really getting actively involved in the road and rail projects that are happening in and around Cumbria and the north. Uh, I've touched on the rural economy, uh, farming isn't the only part of that of course but that farming sector has had massive changes forced upon it by Brexit and the loss of EU funding. And only this morning we were talking to the farming community about that and they're seeing a sizable hit to their revenue from government sources and having to adjust their business models accordingly. Um, now we mentioned the visitor economy. I mean the Cumbria and the Lake District which is obviously a world heritage site, in fact we've got two world heritage sites in Cumbria, is a magnet for tourism and visitors and the whole sector has been hammered by COVID because they were forced to close down by government legislation. And they've shown an incredible resilience and bounce back to deal with the massive influx of previous people who hadn't come to Cumbria during the periods between lockdowns. And that in itself was a big challenge. But I'm absolutely sure that they, with all the support they're getting from others in the county and elsewhere, will remain a really competitive sector for both UK and overseas visitors. Um, I won't dwell on food and drink businesses as such, we've got a great local offering, you should all drink Cumbrian beer and Cumbria gin, um, and we've got a really vibrant arts and culture sector. Um, and Gemma, you asked about energy, um, just a little detail on that. Cumbria is a net exporter of electricity from wind farms that are offshore Cumbria. Now, our ambition doesn't stop with expanding wind farms. We're going to grow our green electricity generation, hopefully, and we plan on doing so with modular reactors, small modular reactors, which are being piloted in the UK. We expect to be, and we plan to be, the next full-scale nuclear power station after Hinkley and Sizewell. And on our west coast, we've got obviously Sellafield, and that we're also planning for hydrogen production linked to our natural gas networks 
with combined heat and power and carbon sequestration in offshore oil and gas fields, gas fields primarily. Um, and one really, really exciting thing is that Cumbria is down to the last five, starting from a much bigger group of bidders, for the UK Atomic Energy Authority's next fusion reactor, uh, which has the goal of being the first fusion machine in the world to generate electricity. Uh, now, all of that plays a crucial part in decarbonising Cumbria and the UK's economy. And of course, that very thing, climate change, is a huge challenge right across the county, as it is everywhere elsewhere. Absolutely. We'll, we'll come on to, uh, to decarbonisation in a bit more detail shortly. But I, I, again, I'm amazed Cumbria already has so much and there is just so much more that the, that the county can offer as well. So I'm absolutely um, a, a, amazed. And I, I think hopefully after hearing this podcast, you'll you'll have an influx of uh, new people and new investment into, into Cumbria because it, it definitely sounds like it's big <laughs> especially with that Cumbria beer and, and, and gin on the list as well. Um, Steve, one of the things that we're so keen on shouting about is the importance of taking our regional approach. It's why TFN exists, to bring the whole of the north of England together um, to speak with one voice about, about what the region needs. How does that One North approach help with improving business opportunities and what part does the, does the LEP play within that? Okay, well, the LEP plays a very active part in all sorts of organisations all aimed on the same thing, which is improving the economy and the well-being of the people of the North. And like everything else, good communications and good cooperation are always helpful and always essential indeed. So I think it's particularly important in the Northern Powerhouse that we communicate in the way that we do, and we do it pretty effectively, I have to say. And the reason this is so important is because the support and investment required to realise our full economic potential has simply not been sufficient in the past decades. I think that's a widely recognised fact. And, but the key thing there is it's not the North asking for handouts. It's the North saying that the UK PLC, as it were, has really missed a trick by not investing in the North um, and growing our economy. And if they grow our economy, they grow the UK economy. So if we can achieve our goals in the North and we're pushing very hard, we can really unlock this, what I would call latent potential economic potential and indeed increase our overall contribution to the UK Treasury, which I'm sure they'll welcome. But it takes investment to get a return, as I've learned throughout my career. So we've got a long way to go and our infrastructure and many other things need massive improvement to the benefit of everybody in the North and the UK. One of the, the, the areas where we do so often see the need for improvement is, is within the sort of social challenges. Now, as a very rural uh, county, I'm sure Cumbria has its, its fair share of sort of left behind neighbourhoods and the social challenges, not just around, um, you know, kind of transport, but wider connectivity uh, and so on as well. TFN is, is working on some transport related social exclusion research, which will hopefully showcase the again the importance of, of transport in enabling sort of social mobility. 
tell us a little bit about about that aspect of uh, of, of Cumbria and, and, and what's being being done. Yeah, well, it's a huge challenge, as it is everywhere. Um, so, like so many parts of the north, Cumbria does have, sadly, areas of serious deprivation. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we have higher than the UK or England's average worklessness uh, in Barrow and Furness. The claimant rate there for support is um, about 6% or more for 18 to 24 year olds. Now that's tragic. It's higher than the national level of about 5%. The really sad thing is that we are massively short of employees, of workers in Cumbria. I'll come back to that in a moment. All we've got to do is connect the people who are workless with the jobs and provide them with the skills. But that infrastructure just isn't there because it's such a jolly difficult place to get around unless you've got a car mm -hmm. or a bike and strong legs. Mm -hmm. So we have a very strong, large, sparsely distributed rural population. Now, that uh, also gives people a sense of isolation, elderly people, for example, especially those without a vehicle. So in both these cases, whether you're unemployed in Barrow or an elderly person living in a village in remoter parts of Cumbria, affordable local transport is absolutely vital to get to the doctors, to hospital, to school, to college, to jobs, leisure activities, anything. So our bus services are extremely limited. Um, they only operate where they're profitable to the um, operating company. And our rail lines are pretty Victorian inside Cumbria, aside from the West Coast main line. So, a lot of people have no option really um, about traveling and it makes things very very difficult for them um, we've got active travel plans of course but that doesn't help so many of those these people i mean there's a limit to how far you can cycle or walk and everybody knows it never rains in cumbria but it's still a problem uh, so at the other end of the issue as i say we've got these huge challenges in the nhs in our workforce in public services and we can't blend the two together so uh, not least the latter, of course, is exacerbated by Brexit and the fact that we did have a very large East European population who really became well integrated into the communities here. But a lot of those have gone home and a lot of other people have realised that hospitality is not for them. They'd rather have a job nine to five. So all of this has made this much more challenging. I hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 a really uh, a really useful insight. Everybody we speak to, um, whether they're sort of from Cumbria or representing it, or just having been there, tells us about this this challenge of so many places where if you don't have a car, it's just so difficult to get around, and that simply limits all aspects of life, as you've said, whether that's getting to um, a university that does the course that you really want to do, whether it's getting to a new job to take you up a level in your career, whether it's just visiting a friend or a family member so that you don't feel so alone all the time. These things are so important. And without that public transport, active travel options, the trains, the buses, um, people just become so restricted. So uh, it's really interesting to hear about some of the some of those challenges and hopefully a lot um a lot being being done. I, I know and I, I know um Councillor Little will tell us about so many of the the, the plans as well. In terms of the, the national policy developments that can support 
some of this activity. We've seen uh, levelling up white paper recently. We had Bus Back Better last year. We've had the integrated rail plan. We've had the union connectivity review. What are your thoughts on some of these national policy developments that are already coming through? Um, and how do you think they can enable Cumbria and the wider north to, to reach their potential? Yeah, levelling up. <laughs> That's a tough thing. Just two words, isn't it? But it's so often misunderstood. Um, levelling up, in my head at least, is not a seesaw where the north goes up and the south goes down. Uh, as I said earlier, it's about making national investments that will show a really substantial return to the UK economy and to the people of the UK and the North. Um, and these have been overlooked and some would say ignored in the past and for many years. So we want to grasp these opportunities in the North, develop them, realise them, create jobs, grow the economy. And we want to do that in an inclusive and just way, don't we? Um, there's a lot to do to, to reduce deprivation and I'd say that what we need to do overall is build back a better economy for Britain, for the North and by the North and by the North, you know, obviously we can't do it on our own. We have to work in partnership with other people, including the UK government and lots of other agencies, but nobody knows better what's necessary and how best to deliver it than the people who live and work in the North and especially the businesses of the North, as well as the politicians. Um, and the local enterprise partnership has an absolutely pivotal role in that in each of our 11 areas in the Northern Powerhouse. That's my view. Mm, no, fantastic. And again, it reflects back to that One North approach that, that TFN offers of, of bringing the the region together and saying we're here, we're on the ground, we've got the experience, we've got the insight, we've got the evidence, we've got local political and business leaders all coming together to say this is what we need for that joined up approach that really is going to make a difference. Um, one of the other uh, sort of national policy developments and something um, again where TFN is really leading the way on the regional um, aspect is decarbonisation. So obviously the, the DFT published their decarbonisation strategy, Transport for the North published our transport decarbonisation strategy and um, just at the end of 2021. I'm sure you've read it from cover to cover, Steve. Um, it's a very, very, um, very, what's the word I'm looking for? A very useful, a very comprehensive document uh, for anybody who's not read our decarb strategy. Uh, we do have a, a summarised version on our on our website as well, so you don't have to read the full thing. Tell us a little bit about Cumbria's role in terms of decarbonising transport and also what businesses are doing to play their part in the move towards net zero. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I should re-emphasise your point. I think the Transport for the North decarbonisation strategy document is a really good one and provides an excellent framework for anybody thinking about transport decarbonisation. Um, well, Cumbria is the same as other parts of the uh, country and indeed the world. We, we have to reach by law, as it is now in the UK, um, net zero by 2050 as a nation and I guess the only way to do that is if all of us try and achieve net zero by that date in our respective spheres of influence. Um, we've got a very rapidly growing set of businesses who support these goals. 
Um, Cumbria is tackling uh, climate change in the most joined up way it can. Our leaders board, which is the leaders of our councils and the national parks, um, with other players as well, is overseeing things. There's a communication network set up called the Zero Carbon Cumbria Partnership that has about 95 member organisations, uh, from local ones up to really substantial ones and representatives bodies like um, Federation for Small Businesses, for example. So we're quite, we've got a lot of activity going on. From a LET point of view, our focus is on the economy, it's on businesses. So what we're trying to do is provide support to businesses that want to move things forward and reduce their carbon footprint. There's some great examples in Cumbria. Paper and board is a very energy intensive industry. And we've got two companies, Igersund near Workington and Croppers near Kendall in that sector, very advanced. And they've pretty much reduced their carbon footprint to near zero by having big investments in solar, biofuels and so on. Um, the other thing that's worth mentioning is it's not just about cutting carbon, it's about sequestering carbon. By that I don't mean buying somebody else's tree planting, I'm not sure that's really legitimate, but you can sequester carbon in peat bogs. And another little fact for you, Gemma, is that Cumbria has peat bogs of about the same area as three quarters of Greater Manchester. So we're working on those to refurbish them, as it were, replenish them, um, stop them being damaged any further and thereby absorb huge amounts of carbon. And it's really material for Cumbria's carbon balance. Super. So very busy subject. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, again, I think the, uh, the, 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 the depth and detail within our uh, decarbonisation strategy is, is a real indicator of the scale of the challenge, but also the ways that, as you quite rightly point out, we can all take action and start to do different things um, and and how urgent how important it is that that we do all do that so fantastic to hear about again some of the uh, slightly different ways that that Cumbria is acting in that in that area uh, to wrap us up Steve just coming back to um, the LEPs as members of the TFN board how important is it that we we include that business perspective alongside our political members of the board? Um, you know, when we're making those calls for investment in the region, how are the LEPs making the, the case as part of that board? I don't know if you've got any sort of examples or highlights from your time in those meetings that you want to you want to share with us. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I can pick any highlights, but I think I can express a view here. And, and I think it's important that TFN, like similar bodies, has what I would call a democratic representation, and that's provided by our leaders and mayors and so on. Um, but the business voice is vitally important. Um, it's absolutely essential. I mean, TFN only advocates transport and infrastructure and decarbonisation investments in order to boost the economy and to support the people of the North that live here. And it's a fact that it's only businesses that generate the nation's wealth. Aside from debt, which we end up paying for in the long term anyhow, businesses pay for everything that the national and local government do, including transport investments proposed by TFN. So not to take the business voice, who are so close to the economy, 
just wouldn't be right. So I, I absolutely believe it's essential that they're involved and involved very closely. And I have to say, I really welcome the way that the executives of TFN and our past and present chairman welcome the input from businesses throughout the region. Hopefully, uh, at least some of our podcast listeners will also be regular uh, viewers of our board meetings as well. And I'm sure they will agree in terms of the importance of having that um, holistic view and the importance of hearing business as well as political voices within the within the board is, is so important. Um, Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been really great to hear about uh, Cumbria and not just the the businesses and the uh, the opportunities and all the all the companies and exciting things that are going on there but about your views as well about some of the uh, fantastic things coming up and those that uh, those fun facts again that are gonna are gonna stick with me about the the number of uh, sheep cows and uh, peat bogs in Cumbria so thank you very much for giving us your time today. It's been a real pleasure Gemma and um to all our listeners, please visit Cumbria whenever you want and uh, you'll always get a very warm welcome, uh, especially if you're a business. Fantastic to hear from Dr Steve Curl there, all about his work with the Cumbria Local Enterprise Partnership and a great insight into all things business for the county. Next up, we're hearing from another of our TFN board members for Cumbria. So this is our political representative on the board and it is Councillor Keith Little. Keith is the Transport for the North member for Cumbria County Council, as I've said, he sits on our board and he is the Cabinet member for Highways and Transport at the county, so he knows all about getting around Cumbria. Hello and welcome to you, Councillor Little. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, it's County Councillor Keith Little, as said, um, Transport Portfolio Holder um, uh, and uh, with Cumbria County Council. The post I've held now for almost 10 years uh, will finish in uh, March. 2023 when Cumbria changes to two new unitaries and uh, since the inception of uh, Transport for the North I was at the inaugural meetings in Manchester when the government offered um, strategic uh, transport authorities the chance to join and, and, and come together and uh, Cumbria have always been a part of that. Uh, we're delighted to be a part of that. Uh, I think we work exceptionally well together although we are different economies um, across the north but we nevertheless we are a very large section of the country uh, a manufacturing section and uh, we, we just look to have our fair share of the uh, the funding and the opportunities that uh, are around but i'm pleased to sit there on behalf of cumbria county council along with all of the other colleagues that's excellent to hear about your work and how Cumbria has been working as part of TFN. Now, um, Cumbria has also been hard at work on its transport infrastructure plan recently. Tell us all about that. Yes, uh, again, delighted that we've been able to be involved in this uh, and also thanks to all our partner organisations, including Transport for the North, who have, uh, who have uh, enabled us to take this one forward. And interestingly, uh, in this next few days, we've got the chairman and the, the new chair and the chief executive of Transport for the North coming to join us in Cumbria for a day to look through some of our work programmes uh, to see where they can help uh, and also to have a look at the new transport infrastructure plan. It, it's a, a plan that will run from 2022 until 2037, so hopefully we'll serve the two new authorities well. The plan sets out a vision for improved 
transport and infrastructure in Cumbria that provides for the needs of residents, businesses and visitors, as well as respecting our special environment. Our transport vision is that Cumbria will be one of the best connected rural geographs, geographies in the UK with a clean uh, growth and decarbonising transport network that will be integral to the growing inclusive economy where our communities will be able to access opportunities, services, education and leisure facilities. Cumbria will be a destination of choice where people choose to live, visit and work. Our strategic approach in the uh, CTIP is based on three key themes. Firstly, clean and healthy Cumbria, where we'll aim to establish comprehensive travel, uh, active travel networks to increase the number of people walking and cycling across Cumbria, enhance digital connectivity to ensure more people and businesses have the access they require uh, to support innovation across the transport networks and work with partners to enable delivery of electric vehicles and transmission infrastructure to support the decarbonisation of our transport network and meet the needs of growing economy. Our second main area, we want to see a connected Cumbria where we will push the case for enhanced rail connectivity through improved station services and rail infrastructure within Cumbria for both local and long distance journeys. Work to secure investment and subsequent delivery of improvements and maintenance to our road network and to complement the rollout of electric vehicles and support the contribution of ports, airports and regional hubs making uh, make to our wider international connectivity and economic performance. And our third one is we recognise the importance of community in Cumbria where we are looking to support new and innovative approaches to the delivery of bus services and infrastructure, particularly within our rural areas. Enhance active and support uh, sustainable, sorry, sustainable travel within the art of our towns uh, and uh, centres, making connectivity a core part of successful public space and work proactively to promote the integration of transport modes including integrated ticketing and journey planning to support mode choice and the drive to decarbonise our transport networks. So we recognise that we can't do this alone. Uh, to deliver our CTIP, we will require effective partnerships across multiple partners at all levels, including public private sector, and recognising the importance of bus and rail networks and franchises being developed in a manner that supports the county, uh, the work with our communities, uh, government and its agencies and transport to the north. And the success of this plan will also rely on funding and resources being provided to Cumbria, both directly through partners. Uh, we see our transport and multifaceted and dependent on the buy-in of multiple stakeholders and aligned strategy and processes. So that's the CTIP plan, that's what it's for. It sets the future for us and it will form part of all that we do going forward with uh, colleagues in Transport for the North. So glad to hear about the transport infrastructure plan that Cumbria have been working on. Could you tell us a little bit more detail about some of the specific rail and road interventions that you'd like to see in Cumbria and how they're helping to deliver new opportunities to people in the area? Yeah, well, we said we are a very diverse uh, county, uh, second largest uh, north 
in, in, in England. Uh, we have many borders with South Scotland, with the Northeast, with the Durham area, down into Lancashire uh, and North Yorkshire. Uh, and people come and go. We're a very busy uh, tourist centre. But one of our strategic routes, um, which is a Highways England route primarily, is the A66, which connects us with um, uh, East Cumbria uh, across to the northeast uh, at Scotch Corner. Now, government have been working with us over a period of time, and we've been very well supported by Transport for the North because we achieved a five-year reduction in this project coming forward. It was going to be a 10-year project with Transport for the North support. It is now a five-year project, and we're working very closely uh, with uh, Highways England uh, and our colleagues over in uh, North Yorkshire, in, in Durham, and in the uh, uh, East Riding there to get this project up and running. It's it's uh, just about 11 kilometres of highway that's got to be dual carriageway all the way through a 40-mile uh, stretch. Uh, but those are important areas which will give much better flow of traffic, particularly HGV traffic, which obviously opens up Cumbria's uh, opportunities to do more work over in the northeast. And with the northeast ports getting um, free port status, uh, where we didn't get that in Cumbria with our ports in Cumbria, that will give us the opportunity to bring goods in into the west of the country. Uh, and get them across to the northeast. Uh, also, we have the A595, which is a strategic route that runs north to south. Uh, Carlisle down to our colleagues in the south of the county at Barrow. Uh, part of that is by Highways England, and part of it is through Cumbria County Council. Um, so th those are some of the, the major routes that we're looking at at the moment. Uh, we have got some um, uh, infrastructure issues on there, and we've got some working with government at the moment. We're just waiting for some funding from government to get on and get some further improvements made. But an exciting project, certainly with the A66. Uh, with our rail, um, the Cumbrian Coastal Line is hugely important to us. I live right alongside the Cumbrian Coastal Line. Again, it runs from Carlisle to Barrow. Uh, and down the length of the line, we have the nuclear new build at the Barrow Shipyards, uh, which is going to be going on for the next 30 years, I would suggest. We have Sellafield civil uh, nuclear uh, power supplies and getting workers in and out of those areas uh, is quite important, as well as the connectivity for our communities and our school children who use that route to get up and down. It's also a major route for health connectivity for people in West Cumbria who have to go across to the northeast, where we have strong NHS uh, work with, and they use that line to get across uh, into the Tyne Valley line and, and across to Newcastle. We have the Lakes line, which is the Windermere to Oxenholm line, uh, which gets us onto the main line, which is the Cumbrian uh, West Coast main line. And, uh, and that gives us our connectivity with Manchester Airport for our tourism coming into Manchester Airport and straight up into the Lake District National Park. Um, and also, we, we're pleased to see that the opportunities are coming forward for more freight, uh, and that's going to be important for us, and Cumbria wants to be involved in that. Port of Workington has good rail connectivity, uh, good uh, sea connections, of course, 
and good rail, uh, good road transport as well. So it's important on that aspect, as it will be for our airport in Carlisle. Uh, and uh, so direct services to major cities uh, like London uh, and up into the uh, north of Scotland to Glasgow and Edinburgh uh, are very important for us. Now, one thing that TFN has been looking at recently is transport related social exclusion and how people can be cut off due to poor transport connections. Now, as you've mentioned, Keith, and as uh, Steve has referenced as well earlier on, Cumbria is a real mix of industrial coastal towns such as Barrow, also very large rural areas. What are the plans for improving rural connectivity in Cumbria? Yes, obviously, uh, we have a very aging population. Often people retire up into Cumbria uh, because of its uh, its quiet and its its logistic uh, facilities. Uh, and, but then they find that uh, with losing bus services or they're not able to drive any longer, they become slightly isolated. And that's a big issue for us. Cumbria County Council over many years now have been working in our rural communities with our local members to ensure that we do provide some transport facilities. Some of these could be rural cars, uh, minibus facilities. Uh, we have small providers, private providers that can be uh, set up uh, a number of routes uh, connecting the small villages into the towns because people need to get into the towns, obviously not only for shopping, but for medical reasons, uh, hairdressers and that kind of thing, which is important. So yes, we are very, we take great cognizance of the fact that we don't want people to be isolated, but nevertheless, um, public transport needs to be self-financing. Um, and we've, we've just uh, sent in our bus transport plan uh, to government now. We've worked with our communities. Uh, we work with our main providers, but they're suffering badly because of COVID. Uh, the fact that people have been told, uh, advised to stay away from public transport for the last almost two years now, coming up towards two years. And it's taken a little bit of time to get them back out there onto the buses and onto our train systems, the rail systems. But um, we are getting there, but it's an important point uh, in such a diverse county as Cumbria that we, meet, we need to meet the, the transport needs uh, of our local communities. Um, but it's never an easy option for us. But working with them, working with the smaller providers, uh, and often we have people who live in these villages who are willing to use their private car uh, to be able to be grouped. So sort of uh, demand responsive transport, if you like. Uh, that's another thing that we're starting to look at at the moment. Now, the great thing about Transport for the North is we bring the entire region together. And when it comes to these economic opportunities in the North, how do you think the One North approach helps to increase things right across our region? Well, well, uh, I've thought since the day we started with Transport for the North that that was the big opportunity that we had working together. As I said earlier, we are a much bigger area uh, across the country. We, are, we have massive opportunities, uh, both from the ports, from Liverpool to Hull, uh, Sheffield, uh, Leeds, uh, you know, the Manchesters. Those are big areas for productivity and development uh, and growth opportunities. We are slightly north of that in Cumbria, as is our colleagues in Lancashire uh, and over into the northeast. But nevertheless, I have found that um, when Cumbria has a problem, and I've highlighted that problem within Transport for the North, 
the metro mayors speak with one voice and say this needs to be supported you know uh, our asks are not as big of course as the northeast but any infrastructure uh, either road or rail that benefits you know our biggest cities will inevitably benefit Cumbria as well because our people move about people come from those big cities up into the north of England into uh, uh, rural England uh, to holiday uh, or whatever but um, the the beauty I have had of working in there is I've learned a lot from the metro mayors they are obviously very uh, capable people some of them are out of parliament as you're well aware but um, they do share their thoughts. We, we speak often with our colleagues in the Northeast through the Metro Mayors in the Northeast. We, we work closely with them, Cumbria does, uh, and we have the conversations within Lancashire and within Blackpool uh, and uh, Darwin and uh, Blackburn and Darwin. So the four of us speak together so that when we go down to transport for the North, we can try and speak with one voice. Now, anybody who tunes into our board meetings live online knows that you regularly use your voice to help um, speak out for and help secure investment in Cumbria, um, such as the, the Carlisle Southern Relief Road, the A66 dueling investment, very important strategic road for the area. What are the main benefits, would you say, of having an organisation like TFN speaking out for the region? Well, for me, it's 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 one of the most important aspects that we have. Uh, the stronger we are together, the stronger voice we have with Parliament, uh, with the government of the day. And, and I, I'm the first to admit this government has had a torrid time in the last 18 months, two years. But we have to look beyond COVID. Uh, we were looking beyond COVID uh, when COVID started. It has delayed somewhat it has delayed the finances somewhat but nevertheless if if as a country we are going to go forward uh, and we're going to improve the economy of this country and that's where we all benefit when the economy improves um you know the leisure then opportunities come forward young people get business and and educational opportunities out of that kind of investment then you know speaking with one voice and working together and working back into government I think is hugely important for us. And I'm delighted that the new chairman of Transport for the North, uh, Lord McLaughlin, I've met him on a few occasions, he's visited Cumbria, as did the other secretaries of state. And that's a good thing that they, they do come out of London, they do want to come up and see and listen to and understand our issues. So I, I hope uh, Transport for the North will go forward as a solid single body uh, and serve the needs of the people uh, in, in the north of England. Well, thank you so much to Councillor Little and Dr Curl for joining me on the podcast today. It was great to hear all about Cumbria, such a fantastic part of the north of England, not without its challenges, but plenty of opportunities as well. Thank you to you all for listening and tuning in as always. Don't forget, if you want to go back and listen to any of our previous episodes, they're all on our website at transportforthenorth.com. And to stay in touch in between episodes, the best thing that you can do is follow us over on Twitter. If you search for Transport for the North, you'll find us there. And every day we'll be keeping you in the loop on all things Transport for the North of England. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. 
Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.